Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a different kind of podcast where we have real, deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are certainly ahead of their time and worthy of yours. So listen as I take your favorite entrepreneurs off a pedestal and onto a bar stool right next to you. In life, it all comes down to building powerful, long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. You know, we all see that highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, but I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it all out. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So I'm Beth, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I help entrepreneurs to strategically prepare their business and gain exposure through collaboration and media so they can make their mark on the world. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life forward. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible on Behind the Spotlight. Welcome to this week's episode. Do you have a go-to gal? I know that one person that knows everybody, Jacqueline Malone, my guest on this episode, is actually my go-to gal. She's a strategist, a coach, a mama of two little munchkins, and my go-to authority. Cannot wait for you to listen about how she got started, how she helped her family, and what's really important in the end. Enjoy. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being here. We have the go-to girl in the house. I am so excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, Jacqueline, I've been a big Jacqueline fan for a very long time, and I do her programs, and she helped me. Actually, she's the reason, I don't know if you know this, Jacqueline, but you are the reason this podcast even exists, you and Farnoosh, and your amazing paid-to-podcast program. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so glad to see you putting this out in the world and taking people behind the spotlight. I love your mission with this and just kind of peeling back the layers. Podcasting is has been so impactful for me, even before I had a business, just listening to podcasts. So seeing podcasters like you actually do the thing and put it out there and help other people with, with your own message is that's just what like lights me up. Oh, I know a lot of things light you up. And before we even start, I would say if you are interested in learning how to start a podcast, have a podcast and want to make a better podcast, you have to look up Jacqueline and look up her program because I am, I'm, gonna, I'm not an affiliate. I'm just saying, cause I love her, like literally standing here only because of her. So Jacqueline, let's start. So I'm interested. I don't know, you know, I've known you for a long time and we've had lots of girl conversations, but I really don't know about like your first business and where you started. Yes. So, you know, there's, there's those entrepreneurs that are like, Oh, I never thought that I'd be an entrepreneur. I never, you know, I don't know, knew about this, but for me, I, I think I always knew. I always wanted to have a business. I don't know if I always knew, but it was always on my mind. I was always thinking of businesses to start from a young, young age. And then as I went to college, it was like, I don't know. It was like, oh, what business? My, my roommates and I, we'd always be brainstorming things. I, yeah, I don't know. From the get-go, I always wanted to start a business. And the first business I started was in 2005. We're going back now. My last year at college, and I had met, I had met a couple of guys through a 
multi-level marketing companies. <laughs> it was kind of a sleazy one. I didn't know it at the time, but, but through a mutual friend we had met and they were working on, they wanted to start a company. I wanted to start a company and we saw this opportunity with college students of textbooks are really expensive and you go to the store and you could buy it used at the bookstore, but it's still pretty expensive. And wouldn't it be great if college students could sell each other our used textbooks? Yeah, totally. Important to know this is 2005 before Amazon started opening this up to do that. And I'm sure there's other ways that are even, I don't even know, more innovative to do that now. But back in 2005, no one was doing this. And we thought that there was a big opportunity there. And so I was helping out with marketing, with graphic design, with all the graphics for the site. And um, and and then someone else was doing like the coding and then we had kind of like the money guy and, <laughs> and we were all, I was doing photo shoots or coming up with like collaborations we could do with other businesses that had similar audiences and we were getting it off the ground. We weren't, we weren't monetizing or anything like that, but most of those businesses aren't right away. We're like, let's just like get it up and then we'll, we'll see what happens. And so we had all this early momentum. We were able to get on the front page of the local business section and the newspaper. And we had like in our logo t-shirts. <laughs> good publicity <laughs> and visibility for your first business. Right, good publicity out of the gate. Right, we had done some collaborations with other local businesses. And I was really excited to like, okay, let's see what's going to happen with this, right? Like I'm finishing up college and... And let's get this business going. And let's just say that did not go as as planned. It did not go very well. I, oh my goodness. Well, I don't know how many of the details that I can share, but I will share that the first sign that things were going wrong was, so my roommate, one of my best friends from college was working at a printing company. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money or anything like that, but we had this one, one of the guy's brothers, uh, had, you know, was very successful in the multi-level marketing company. And so he was kind of like the money guy. And so I was so excited to get to like do a business deal with my best friend and like, all right, we're going to put the order in for these postcards. And we're like getting them professionally printed through like a local printer. So we put this order in and I honestly don't remember how much it was, but he refused to pay the bill. And it was a so uncomfortable situation because here my friend was at her new job right out of college and and like like this company her like right like one of the clients she brings in isn't paying the bill and here I am like these are my business partners that are putting me in this uncomfortable situation and it was really I like I was just like I don't know what to do and so my dad and I are very close and at the time I was we started his business probably about a year before I'd helped my dad start his commercial real estate business. And I was doing marketing for him and getting my real estate license and all of that. And so my dad was like my first mentor. And so, and he was so supportive then of me doing this business and all of that. Right. So my dad, like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is what's happening. And so I, it's so embarrassing, but I brought my dad with me until like, like, like we had like a meeting of the group and I bring my dad with me because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. And, and so my dad and I show up and, and met with this group and we negotiated where uh, he would pay the bill and we came up with a number for them to buy me out of the company. And, and that was that. 
And so part of me was relieved to be out of it. And like, okay, at least like we took care of the vendor bill. And then I got something, you know, for what I had put into it. But the other part of me was just so afraid of being like the like the was the apple of like getting up, like this is gonna blow up and I'm gonna miss out on all these millions of dollars, right? Yes. Like there's always that FOMO. And it's and I knew I knew the opportunity. I knew the market that we were tapping into. And so it seems so clear looking back, like why would you want to be in business with people like that? Or you know, or you wasn't even gonna go anywhere. Right. But at the time it's when you're when you're so in it and so young, you know, twenty two years years old and trying to figure all this out um there was a lot of fear there and it was also we were on the front page of the business section I was so excited and told all these people and so that embarrassment of oh yeah like you know I I said to step away from it and like do you want to go tell and like now I you know I openly share most of the story, right? But like when it happens, like, do you want to go telling people that locally or would I have gotten in trouble, right? Like there was, I know we signed some documents. I don't remember what's on it. I probably should. Oh my God, but that's so much high level at 22 years old. Thank God I would have brought my dad too. No embarrassment there. I would have been like, let's go. I don't know what's going on. You know, thank God you got out of it and you moved through it. But acknowledging that you saw a space in business or you saw a space in the market that could really be filled with something, thats I think that's part of your superpower. I see that all the time when you speak. Well, thank you. My Gallup Strengths Finders, some of my top strengths are uh, futuristic and ideation and strategic. And that is something that back in college came naturally to me. And now I... Yeah, I've stacked my business in a way where I get to, I'm like, I have to have clients or students that I can help ideate for, because otherwise I just want to start 12 million businesses by myself and I don't have the time. <laughs> like, so I, I see that potential for other people and, and absolutely, I love bringing that into whatever it is that I'm doing. Yes. And it, it shows clearly in, you know, being a serial entrepreneur, or I think you were talking about before, like a wantrepreneur, you know, having all, and I yeah. honestly, I've done the same thing. I'm like, I said to my husband the other day, I'm like, what about this idea? He's like, no, no more ideas. <laughs> but we see it, right? You can't turn it off. Right. And he's like, don't pile anything more on. So after the traumatic end of your first business, you know, I'm sure they, it was trauma, like 100%. There was a lot going on there. But that was 15 years ago. So let's fast forward a little bit and tell me how you started GoToGal, which I love the name because it says so much about you. Oh, sure. So... Listen, that business was my first, we'll say maybe real business. And and like I said, I was helping my dad start his business and there. And I ended up, I had so many ideas in my 20s. So many ideas, so many logos. We get to the logo stage. Like, oh, we get, this is the ideas that we could do. And then as soon as I would design the logo, I don't know if I would just get bored of it or I wouldn't really know what the next step was. I was always surrounded by entrepreneurs, either with my dad and and my family friends and his clients and all of that were typically entrepreneurs or people that worked for big businesses, but that were expanding them. And then when I left that business to go into marketing, I worked for several local entrepreneurs who actually had pretty big online businesses. And I was able to step in as director of marketing and wear a lot of hats. And so I was always around all of these entrepreneurs and I knew that I wanted my own business, but I just couldn't I just couldn't get it going. And I don't know, I look back and, you know, you just want to look back at your old self and like 
shake and I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, like maybe you started a blog spot account, but you never actually wrote the blog or designed the logo, but that was it. And part of me thinks, okay, maybe I was afraid to take the next step or I didn't know what the next step would be. I also think I was around building a lot of people who invested a lot of money to start a business. So I didn't really know ways to start businesses that didn't require going to the bank and taking out a loan for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, right? right? So I think that was an obstacle too. So I had done marketing and I actually went back to work with my dad again before we started a family. And it's funny because before, before I had kids all throughout my twenties, it was like, Oh, I want to, I want to do all these things before I have kids. Like in my head, it was like, once I have kids, it's going to be really hard to do all of that. <laughs> then it's over. My life's over. Right. <laughs> right. It was like, Oh, before I have kids. And listen, I am so much like my dad with the ambition and entrepreneurship gene, if you will. But I also am a lot like my mom and my mom was a stay at home mom. And I loved getting off the bus and just sitting down at the table with her and just telling her like every excruciating detail of my day. I love that. And so I really want to be that mom for my kids. And, And in the past, I think I couldn't wrap my head around how can I do both, right? And so going back to real estate seemed like that, like, okay, I know I can make good money. I know I can, you know, have a flexible schedule, or at least I thought I could. Commercial is a little bit more typical business hours than residential, but I also knew it wasn't my passion. So my dad and working closely with him just only made it more obvious. He's so passionate about what he does. And so he wakes up in the morning and he can't wait to start talking about deals. And he would call me at like 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday or on a Saturday morning and want to talk about stuff with the business. And I would just be like, oh, God, I don't want to talk about this now. And I just wasn't into it. Then I discovered podcasts. So I'm still working with my dad. I'm like, okay, I know I can do this. I know we can, you know, juggle things. And I was thinking, I said to my husband when I went back to real estate, I'm going to give myself till 40. I'm like, give myself like a decade of let's see what I can do. I'm like, I'm either going to be kicking butt and just like, okay, like now I learned to love it or somewhere along the line, I'll, I'll find the next thing, the thing I'm supposed to create for myself. Cause I looked at my dad and, and his love for real estate. I'm like, That's, I, I want that, but you can't get it through osmosis. You think you can, you think like, Oh, if I'm working with my dad and I'm around this energy, then I'm going to pick up on that. But I just could never get that for real estate. And I don't know how it happened, but I discovered podcasts actually from my cousin. She introduced me to Serial. I think Serial is probably the entry podcast for many of us back in 2014. So almost a decade after the first business. And from Serial, I just started finding other podcasts. I found the startup podcast and, and then just kept like podcast hopping from there. And a whole new world was opened up to me because it wasn't just, oh, these people are starting businesses, but people were actually sharing how they were starting their businesses. And these weren't like going and getting a franchise for a subway. Like this is like, okay, like I can do that, right? And you start listening and I'm sure people listening are like, oh, yep, you listen yeah, to totally. podcasts, you're like, I can do that, right? And I felt like this whole new world was revealed to me. And so I spent about six months and being in real estate, I was driving around a lot. 
So I would be on the road and I would just be binge listening to podcasts. And I started actually applying some of the things that I was learning to that business and getting great results with it. But I knew that I wanted to start something. I just didn't know what it was, right? So I, but I just kept listening and not taking action. And again, I go back and I'm like, what are you doing for those six months? Like, just try something, right? But sometimes ideas have to marinate and have to, you know, happen at the right time. So eventually I, I had that vision again, right? You come back to like, okay, here's, here's the idea. And my original idea was not go-to gal. And I think that's, I think that's important to share because most of us that start businesses, the first idea is not the idea. And sometimes the 10th idea is the idea. It's for this season. And then when the season changes, we'll reevaluate and see where it is. Now, Beth Nidick is not my first business. It's like my 10th. Right. And so it's the the action taking that leads to the clarity of what the next thing is. And so my first online business, I guess second, I don't know, I want to count it because of the first, first one back in 2005. But the first iteration of this business was I had seen, I had a group chat going with a bunch of friends from college. And we had, we'd gone to RIT, the Rochester Institute of Technology. Some of them had taken out loans for the entirety of that education. So over $100,000 in student loan debt, right? And you have first baby, great, go back to work, and then had second baby and decided to stay home. And here they are with, you know, all this student loan debt, or maybe not as much, but two kids. And so we would all be chatting about, you know, kids and everything going on. And at this time, I'm still working with my dad. I don't have a business yet. But what happened is over the course of that, however long we had that group chat, most of them had started some type of a business. Now, not all them had big aspirations, right? Some were just like one was making crochet coffee koozies. <laughs> hey, those sound another one was whatever, whatever. <laughs> there's a market for right? another one was a photographer, a calligrapher. So mostly creative, but they were they were like they they missed that part of themselves. They wanted to be home with their kids, but they also wanted to make money and and they wanted to use their brain in that way again. And and I and I I I loved what they were doing. I wanted to do something like what they were doing, right? And here in this chat, they're talking about things and I'm like, I can't stop giving them advice on (laughs) business stuff and marketing because I have all this experience myself with with marketing and with working with businesses so closely and and really getting to know business strategy along the way too. And so I just loved brainstorming with them and helping them strategize and come up with ideas. And I was like, gosh, like, there's not, this is like this in-between group where it's not the professional world. And I was involved in professional organizations. I'm like, they're not, they don't want to go to those events with me. Right. Right. But also there's like those stay-at-home mom groups and no one in those groups wants to talk about business. I'm like, there's this like in-between group that, that exists that doesn't really fit into either society, either part of society. Not back then there wasn't that like push for being a mompreneur being able to have it there wasn't any of that because you know I really resonate with what you're saying because I started a blog spot when 2004 my kid I had two right after my little oh my one goodness. my little one who's now 16 was born and I said recently on a podcast I was like I can't even imagine if I had continued mommy blogging from then what I would have created but there wasn't mommy blogging back then it was like I you know that was there wasn't anything so I totally see what you're saying 
that everyone was talking about having a business and few people were, but there wasn't that like collective, we all can do this. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is though, so I felt that I'm like, okay, let's, let's go with this. But the funny thing was I didn't have a business yet. Right. So I started an Instagram. Now the Instagram account was for mom business owners. The, the original, original first name was mompreneur society. I very quickly changed. I spent, when I tell you, I spent months. I did not start this account for months because I couldn't come up with the name. I actually paid $20 or like $19.99 to get on a call with some online marketers to help me name this thing who were not parents. And, and we came up with mompreneur society. It's like, okay, great. Let's like get this out there. Right. Cause you got to do it. And the funny thing is I put so much pressure on myself coming up with that perfect name. And, and as soon as I went into Instagram to go like, okay, I have the name now, I'm going to create the account. And then you go into Instagram and it said tagline at the time. Um, or like about and, and just like float off my fingertips, like no thought at all. I put chasing dreams and little. And, and so and it's fun. And so within within like a month or two, I ended up changing the name to chasing dreams and little, which felt much more unique and appropriate because little did I know there was like 1200 other mompreneur societies. (laughs) Oh, and and I had no idea how contentious the word mompreneur was like society didn't really fit the the whole whole thing. But the funny thing was, I felt like such an imposter starting this because I did not have a business yet, right? So I'm starting this Instagram for mom business owners. And I technically did not have my own business yet. Like that was going to be the business. And so I felt this, like here I was like putting on heels and a dress and going into the office to do real estate. And I'm starting this Instagram account. And I'm like, well, I can't really be sharing myself, right? Like they don't want that. Like that's not going to fit. And, and I think I also felt all this like, I don't know, just built up fear or shame or self-doubt from that first business being so public of like, here I am front page of the business section. So like, it's totally blown up. So I started this Instagram account. I didn't put my name on it. I didn't put my own photos on it. I, and not only that, but then I'm also on Facebook joining other like entrepreneurial Facebook groups to, to learn about, about business and all this stuff. And back then when you would join a Facebook group, it would go on your Facebook timeline that you joined the group. And so I had it on my phone where as soon as I joined a group, I would then go and I would remove the notification from my timeline (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't want anyone who actually knew me to know that I was doing these things outside of a handful of people. I was like in the like quote unquote witness protection program, not the actual witness protection <laughs> program, but, but I would joke about that. Your own. Like I like link, I didn't link my account to Facebook because I didn't want anyone to know that it was me at first. And then slowly I started using my name, but I still didn't want any of my like bigger Facebook group of like friends from like all parts of my life to know what I was doing. It's funny how like looking back, I was just like, I want this to be, I wanted to know that it was going to work or turn into something before I was loud about it. So part of me was worried about that. The other part of me was like, these moms are going to think I'm such a phony that here I am like, you know, talking about chasing dreams and littles, which I was, but like, I'm in an office and like working at a regular job and that I don't have, I'm not like, at home and not showered for three days and going through some of the stuff that they were going through. Right. 
Oh, and so it's funny how like that summer I was getting things off the ground, but just really like having that mindset battle to, to take it out there. And I was growing fast. I was growing a large audience because I was doing nothing other than like, you know, liking and commenting and things on Instagram. So I quickly grew a community, but it took me a lot to start being like, okay, I can be the person who's leading the community and I can be the, you know, the person who is showing up and even just like with my face like there was no Instagram stories or anything back then so it, it was a lot easier to just like curate a bunch of quote, quote cards and, and be anonymous uh, yeah I, th- I, yeah. I think that resonates with a lot of people it resonates with me because so many people do exactly what you're talking about they're like I have an idea and I'm and they dance around it and they kind of you know, put feelers out there, but exactly what you said, like they want to know it's going to work. Like if someone's got that crystal ball for us, please let us know. Cause we would both like that crystal ball. Let us know it's going to work. Um, but then you took the jump and you made something out of an idea. Yes. So, so you asked where go-to gal came from. So the funny thing with that, so here I am started like trying to get this chasing dreams and little, this branded business we'll say, trying to get that off to the ground. And here's the thing. It was very easy to create community and build an audience for that brand, but it was not easy to make money for that brand. So I, um, I started the Instagram account in end of June in 2015 in the fall in like the first week of November, I launched my first podcast. I found out I was pregnant with my second, with my little guy. And, and I launched my first podcast. So it was a very busy week, the first yes. week of November. But here's the thing, and I, and I think it's important to share this because not a lot of people talk about these things. That Chasing Dreams and Littles business, it took me from, so I launched my first, I did a membership. I launched that membership in November. And I can talk about the numbers to make them sound good, but I could be like, oh, I did a challenge with 300 people and I converted you know, almost 10%. We had 29 people join the membership, right? So I can make this sound good. But here's the thing, at the end of the day, I was making under $1,000 a month from this, okay? This is not going to let me leave the real estate job. And now I just found out that I was pregnant. And that, that felt like a deadline for me. Like, all right, this baby's coming. I, I got to make this thing work. Because one of my big motivations for starting the business outside of my own like creative you know, calling, if you will, to just have my own thing was I really wanted to, by the time I had baby number two, I really wanted to not have to go back to real estate and be able to do something that I could work from home. My daughter was a preemie and, and that was a, I, I took a lot of time off from, uh, from real estate and, and that hit us hard with real estate. There's about a year delay with, with how you get paid because things take so long to get paid on in real estate and commercial real estate. And so that year I was fine to take the time off, but the next year that hit us hard. And I didn't want to be in that situation again when, you know, when I went to go have another child. So I was like, all right, this is my time. I want to make this work. So when he is born, I can. And now I was surrounded by women that were doing this. That really inspired me so much of like, okay, like this can happen. Um, And I was determined to make it happen. But I'm making under $1,000 a month. It took me until April took me till April to win that business and the Chasing Dreams and Little, Little Business to have my first four-figure month. <laughs> the first month with a client. 
right? To get that membership up over a thousand dollars in token until April. Now, here's the funny thing that happened. That felt so hard trying to get people to join that membership and kind of this more branded business, right? While this was happening, I was in Facebook groups, some paid, some free, just helping people out, talking about what was working, what was not working, right? Sharing, just being me, right? And all of a sudden, I started to get, I started to see like all these people were tagging me for questions about Instagram. Like how, you know, how are you growing so fast at Instagram? Or how did you get those people into your challenge from Instagram? Or what, you know, what are you doing for your graphics? Or blah, 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 blah. all these questions about Instagram. And this was happening in Facebook groups. I'm like, it just started going crazy. And this was right around the end of 2015, where I had just done that launch. I'm like, this is great, but I'm really not making that much money. And I was thinking to myself, okay, all these, I'm spending all day helping people with Instagram for free. Maybe I should charge for this, right? <laughs> and so, and so I did. And so that January, I started putting together some offers around Instagram. And I started charging $300 an hour for consulting. I started charging $1,000 for a month to do Instagram management and and putting together different packages over that six month period before Marshall was born. I ended up doing a group coaching program on Instagram. I put a course together on Instagram and I'm like, I'm going to milk this Instagram thing. I never set out to be the Instagram expert. And, and in that time I knew that that's not what I really wanted to do either, but this phenomenon had happened. And, and all the while I'm doing that, my mentors, Jill and Josh Stanton with Screw the 95, asked me to go speak at their event in San Diego. And I'm getting asked to be uh, in all these summits and, and building my email list because of it. And I'll be on podcasts, all these opportunities are just landing on my lap. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing. I'm like, here I am. Like, all I want is to grow this Chasing Dreams and Littles membership. And it's like, pain. I'm like putting so much effort in to, to try to get people to pay me $29 a month for this membership. Where on the other hand, all, all these opportunities to sell things related to Instagram and to get out there and promote myself in regards to Instagram were literally just falling on my lap. So this, I'm like, what is this? What is happening? And and what I was when I was able to during my maternity leave, I was kind of aware of it during the time, and it's so clear now looking back. But I will say it was after Marshall was born when I really slowed down. When I was pregnant with him, I I was just go, 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 because I really did look at that as, as a deadline. And I was too close to it to really like stop and like take in all of those like <laughs> methodology or strategy of what was happening. Also, I was so new to online business. But it was when I went from that like hustle, hustle to to the much more calm, calm, if you will, having a you know three-year-old and a and an infant at home. The mommy <laughs> but, world, the mommy side of your life. It can be a different kind of a different kind of calm. Um, but I don't know, Eleanor was involved in stuff. So there there was a lot of times where it was just Marshall and I, and he was a pretty chill baby. And that's when I started to piece this all together as okay, like there's something about me as a person building relationships and getting known as the go-to for something. I didn't even try to get known as the go-to for Instagram, but people saw me doing it. They saw it in action. And so it was easy for them to see me as an expert in that versus trying to grow this other business that was not really tied to a person or personality, was not really clear 
what I was the expert for over there. People were like, how do I, you know, juggle time and stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you would spend like, I don't know how to keep your house clean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to a baby to sleep but what I but I want to go back a little bit and acknowledge like you spend a lot of time in Facebook groups paid and not just giving value just adding value to it so I want to challenge you when you say those opportunities fell into your lap they really didn't you really created a brand and a and a reputation and a credibility that you actually knew what you're talking about Absolutely. And, and through all of this, I also had my own podcast, right? I was not sharing like I'm the expert of Instagram on the podcast, but I had an Instagram account that was rapidly growing and people could see it, right? And same thing with Jill and Josh, they didn't ask me to come speak at their event because I had the most Instagram followers in the world because I didn't, I maybe had like 8,000 or 9,000, right? But they asked me because they saw the value that I was able to help everyone in the community with they saw my expertise they saw how I was growing my own account how I was able to you know monetize on it but also they could see it in action in the group so absolutely I was building relationships my background was was all relationship building when my my help my dad started real estate business the whole business was relationships and so when I came online I would meet people on Instagram or in a Facebook group and and we would get on Zoom calls and we would talk. And so I'd get to know people and they'd be like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm growing this Instagram account. It was all on accident that this happened. But it's so funny looking back. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been growing my Instagram account. I got a thousand followers in the first, you know, in the first month. And then I started another account and I grew that to 5,000 in the next five weeks. And now I got these two accounts and I had one account that had like, I don't know, at the time, maybe 20,000 or something followers. And I was actually charging people um people to like post their items on it <laughs> like it was like for handmade shop right, owners brands, right <laughs> one of those one of those pages and then and then I had this other Instagram account but what I was really doing on Instagram was brand strategy right it was you know connecting with an audience and all of that and so that stuff I just knew it was just applying it to a platform and learning the specifics but yeah it didn't just happen it happened because I was building relationships and I was doing something that people could see. So clearly that like, oh, like that's interesting. Now there's a lot of ways to get known as an expert or something, but that's how it happened for me on accident because people were like, how are you doing this with Instagram? Tell us, or I would have a coffee chat and they're like, oh yeah, I'm just doing it all on Instagram. And then someone would ask a question. They're like, oh, you got to talk to Jacqueline about Instagram, right? So that's how it just started to, to spread. But I absolutely was building relationships I had this podcast, so I was interviewing people and getting to know them that way, right? So I was sharing my platform and and with the podcast, even from the beginning, even when it felt like no one was listening, you'd be shocked at how many people said yes. And not you best, because I know you're you're in that seat <laughs> now, right? Where you see like, wow, like people say yes. And it's amazing really- how many people yes. say yes. And somebody said to me, I was interviewing somebody today and she was said she asked me how I got a certain guest on the podcast. And I was like, I asked him, like, like, that was literally my answer. I asked him, but she was like, people don't understand what that means. Like, you need to tell them what it is. But I think you're the same way. You, you have such a self-confidence that's, that's soothing to the people around you. So it makes it easy for them to show up as themselves. I think I have a little bit of that too. And I think that's why we connect, but it's really just about like opening your mouth and being like, I'm as messy as you are and let's play. Right. 
<laughs> That's it. Oh, it was. And so, yeah, I know that that podcast was able to, to be such a great catalyst in terms of relationship building too, and all of those things. So yes, it certainly felt like everything was falling on my lap, but it was, it was work that was going into it. But when you, what I've realized, and, and when I step back, so now here I am, let's say with the baby at home, trying to find a nanny and nobody wanted to nanny part-time. I didn't want to send him back. I didn't want to send him to daycare yet, but I, I saw the, I'm like, I'm, I still got like all this opportunity here. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to stop. And so one of the best things I did was I took Todd Herman's 90 day year during my quote unquote maternity leave. And that, the biggest thing I got from that, which I think people take it to learn how to be more efficient or productivity and systems. The biggest thing I got was I need to hire people. I'm like, I'm trying to do this all myself. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at how much money can I pay for a nanny? I'm like, I need to, I'm like, even if I had a nanny, I'm not getting sleep. I can't write a sales page, right? I just need to hire an expert to write the sales page and then it'll be done. I'm like, I could have 30 hours a week and I still couldn't write that sales page right now. So um, Todd really got me to start thinking about my time differently. And, and that was, that was a big shift of like, okay, I can, I can stay home with Marshall. I can start building a team and, and having other people do work for me. Even if I had the hours to do, I just didn't have the, the brain space for at that time. Right. And then over those next few months, I started to really latch on to that idea of like, okay, there's something here with this whole positioning yourself as an expert thing. And it was becoming more and more clear to me that I wasn't doing that in the Chasing Dreams and Little brand. And, and it was also becoming clear to me that there was a whole other part of people who I wanted to help that weren't identifying with the brand, Chasing Dreams and Little, right? It was actually through becoming an affiliate, not to get too off topic, but becoming an affiliate for 90 day year, I started attracting a different group of people that were starting to work with me through that because I offered bonuses that were like, I never would have thought to hire you. And I'm like, what? You're a mom and you have a business. Why would you have not thought to hire me? And they're like, I just, I don't know. I don't think of myself as chasing dreams and littles, right? They were going after bigger things. And I see that now, right? I didn't see that then. So that's when I debranded and, and really just became a personal brand. I didn't see brands. I didn't change, go from chasing dreams and littles to go to down. I went from chasing dreams and littles to Jacqueline Malone. And what I would say is I help you become, first it was the go-to person in your space, right? And then it became the go-to gal in your space. And then go-to gal became a course that mm-hmm. I did. And, and then when I was going to rebrand the podcast, my first podcast, I had a co-host. And after three years and a little over 300 episodes, um, we decided to to stop doing the podcast together. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to have my own podcast. What should it be? And I and I had seen like, okay, over the years, this go-to gal brand had been kind of bubbling under the surface and growing into its own thing. And that was like the, okay, this is the, it was scary for me to own go-to gal as the name of the podcast. It's so obvious now, but I think because I had been through that experience of having a branded business and changing it and like, oh, people are going to think I'm flaky or they don't even know who I am anymore, right? So that commitment to a different brand felt like a really big step, but it was definitely the right step. 
obviously very right. <laughs> that obviously very the right, right. steps. Like <laughs> it obviously worked out. But I, I thank you so much for sharing your story, Jacqueline, because honestly, I didn't know much of that. And I, I look at you a little differently now. I mean, in a positive way. I mean, like, I really admire the gumption. I admire the like, I don't have a business and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to charge $300 to talk to me. And that was a few years ago. And I think that's something people have a really hard time with acknowledging how much they're actually worth and then doing it. And you were like, ah, oh, whatever, we'll figure it out. I'm just going to do this. And then $1,000 a month or whatever, you know, whatever it was. And ha- and being able to grow your account, you know, I don't have 20,000 followers. If you- I would like 20,000 followers. But what I'm hearing from you is that's about building the relationships and being in the right groups where your ideal clients really are. You know, you did all the steps without maybe acknowledging that you were doing the steps, but it obviously is working out really well for you. One of the things that I've noticed the most about myself is I think all of those years in my 20s of being immersed in entrepreneurship and marketing and seeing people start businesses and grow businesses and working side by side with my dad and other entrepreneurs to grow their businesses, so much of what I did and know is just instinct, is just intuition. And it's it's been really an interesting journey because yes, I look back and I'm like, I just did that, right? But through teaching and consulting and creating courses, I feel like I really sharpened my own sword, if you will, because it's forced me to stop because I'm I'm a go, 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 right? So it's forced me to stop and and look at what I'm doing and start piecing it together. And in the past couple of years, I really, I've loved frameworks and really like that. It helps me get a handle on because there's so many things, relationship building is something clients would come to me like, how, like, but what do you say on these coffee chats? And like, how do you keep in touch? And like all of these things. I'm like, I don't I know, you make friends with people. <laughs> I have two, I have two dogs or two kids and I'm married. Like, what do you, I get that question a lot too. They're like, how do you start relationships with producers on Twitter or on and Instagram? And I'm like, Hi, I really like your dog. I have a dog too. Like it's not rocket science. And if we just all remembered what it was like to make a friend in middle school, I think those questions would kind of disappear. Yeah, but so many people don't do it and they, and they get stuck because they overthink it or it's just not their nature, right? So that's where doing those things has forced me to, to really unpack and figure out what was it about how, how I do the work. And now I see when I go to conferences and people are speaking and they've done something for themselves that they haven't ever helped anyone else with it. I feel like it's always lacking in substance. It's the people who are teaching and who are really making that part of their business too. They're the ones that have taken that the time to unpack why did this work? And maybe they're helping other people do it. So they see what doesn't translate for other people <laughs> and how to fix it. And right. And you, you figure out all, the, all those nuances. Uh, the same thing with podcasting, rebranding my podcast. And, and over the past three years, the Farnoosh and I have been helping people with podcasts. I feel like I've gotten so much better at the strategy of it from pulling it out of her brain of like, well, how did you make this work? And I'm pulling it out of my own brain of like, why does this work for me? So we can share it in a way that makes sense with other people. So yeah, a lot of what I've done has just been that like gumption. But it's funny, because I think back to that, and I'm like, I had no problem charging people $300 an hour for Instagram consulting. But at the same time, I had a good friend tell me, she was actually in my membership that I was charging $29 a month for. And I think at one point I raised the price to 97, but at this point it was still 27, 29. And she was in there and she was like, you know, it's not that different than my group coaching program. I was like, really? I'm like, but you charge 
$600 a month for your six month <laughs> group coaching program. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? You can do and, that? I'm going to do that. Great. And so now when people are starting membership, I'm like, if you don't have a big audience, like this needs to be a group coaching program because otherwise you're just getting underpaid to run a group coaching program. And that's what was happening to me. So as much as I was charging maybe like $300 an hour for consulting then, I, I wasn't charging enough in my membership. So I still had a lot of mindset work to do on all of the things. And but learning. I think the key, yeah, I'm still learning. We're all still yeah. learning. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing is the, the taking the action, the listening, seeing what other people are doing and, you know, learning from them. And I think the, the minute that we're like, oh, I don't have anything to learn from that person or I figured it all out. I think that's the minute we stop growing, right? Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. It's always, it's always a journey. It is. And what, you know, what I've been seeing lately, I love your opinion on this, because this is something that irks me. (laughs) And I'm seeing a lot of new coaches trying to teach their framework of what they've done for themselves versus like you're just talking about versus helping lots of other people. Like, like you, I've been helping people for years with PR until my husband was like, do you think you should do this already? Like enough. He was like enough coffees. Let, you need to do this because this is definitely one of my superpowers being able to help people. But I see the difference in what I'm teaching and how I'm doing it versus, you know, I do market research, see what other people are doing. And the, you know, the whatever mommy blogger who's like, I got into Forbes. I'm going to show you how. I, I almost feel like it's they're swindling people because they really don't actually know what they're talking about. They know how, they know how it worked for them, but it doesn't mean they're going to work for anybody else. It's so I'll say if they're doing it one on one, that's the way to do it. Right. And I think there was so my answer to this might surprise you. I think there's a couple of things. So yes, if you did something and you're like, let me teach you how to do this exactly the way I did it, that's usually not a good business model. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But but it's interesting because Amy Porterfield, who is one of like probably the most known and respected and successful people in our industry, right? Amy Porterfield, a few years ago, there were a lot of people who were in the done for you space who were doing marketing for for people, right? Who were like, but what does she know? She's just doing it for herself. She's not doing it for other brands with, with what she was teaching. Right. And, and there was an undercurrent of people being like, okay, well, she's talking about stuff, but she's just sharing what she's doing for her business. And, and kind of, you know, talk is talk. Right. And there's a couple different ways to look at this, but I think with someone like Amy, who has built a successful business, sharing what mostly what she's done in her own business. Right. I think there is a place for it. But it's about being about being transparent. It's about figuring out, I think, when you start teaching it to other people, that's when you figure out, let me show you how to get into Forbes. They should do that a couple of times for a discounted rate. They should do it a couple of times one-on-one and and start helping people in that way. And that's when you start to see like, oh, okay, that's the nuance there. That's the you know, maybe that kind of pitch works on just this one person. Now that we're pitching other publications, other people is going to be different and and start to seeing it that way. Right. Right. And that, and so the more you start to teach it, right. Like that's, don't think, I I want people to know it's okay to, to make that 
switch or if you yes. do something and people see it with you. Cause just like I was doing Instagram, I started teaching Instagram. Right. And sometimes we have this other thing, like for me, like what was it about the way that I was doing Instagram that was working? It was, it was my marketing background. It was the brand strategy that just was infused in there. So I don't want to discourage people from thinking they can't do that, but I also think it's important to to take the time to realize just because it works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for other people. And and that's why working one-on-one or in small groups, I think helps to work out those things as you're trying to go from people that are like, just make a course and sell a course and you're going to become a millionaire overnight. Like, no. That's what what I was (laughs) talking about. But what I got from what you said was that I should have been charging my friends instead of just doing it for free. So... (laughs) So all those people were really lucky. <laughs> well, and when you charge your friends, they take it more seriously too. They may actually implement. A lot of times when we give people advice for free, they don't actually implement. They don't value that advice as much. Not that nobody should ever give things for free, but I have found, you know, when you have people that are paying you money, they're, they're invested, right? They're invested because they're invested. Yeah, no, totally. And I've spent probably the net the last nine or 10 months really doing those one-on-ones to create that framework because I didn't want to be that person that it didn't work for because when I was in the nutrition space there were so many people who weren't nutritionists or fitness people giving out nutrition and fitness information and hurting people so I guess that's one of my 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 things is yeah. that I feel like you need to know what you're talking about before you kind of do that but yeah but and you have an idea start putting it out there start helping people start talking about it um follow Jacqueline, Jacqueline's example by going to every Facebook group that your ideal client might be in and start those relationships. I, you know, I have to say that I've been, I took a little break from what I was doing. And when I got back, that's all I did. And the amount of response I got right away was like, oh yeah, I forgot. This is how it works. This is what works. Telling those people that I have relationships with what I'm doing, how I'm doing that. I'm just here to help them. That's when people show up versus crickets, which is what I had in my nutrition business for a long time, because I didn't know that and once I learned that, then it was like, oh, okay. So true. No, I, I love how you're, how you're walking the walk with that and, and taking the time to, yeah, figure out your framework. I think that's the thing is people listen to it and they're like, I need to go with the framework. And it's like, if you've never done it, <laughs> if you haven't done it enough with other people, you don't have a framework yet, right? You need yeah. to, to go through it like you are and actually help other people and talk to other people and get it going to be able to create the framework. Exactly. And that's why the framework that you really put together for the podcast class really spoke to me because I could then really implement all of that. What's your futuristic view on podcast and video cast? Like, what do you think is next? Everyone was a blogger for a while, right? Everyone was a YouTuber for a while. And if one more person tells me they're starting a podcast in January, my head's going to explode. But you know, that's everyone's becoming a podcaster. <laughs> So, you know, standing out in the gazillions yeah. of podcasts is, is brand strategy, which is something you, you teach. Or where do you think that podcast business is going? So it's funny because when we're entrenched in it, right, it's like, oh, everyone's a podcaster, but not everyone's a podcaster. They feel like the podcast industry is, is still early on. Even the way, even the platform at which, like behind the scenes that we're doing hosting and stuff. And when you look at the interfaces of, of how iTunes is Apple Podcasts. There's still so many improvements that can be made for the whole experience all around. So I think, listen, people are like, oh, video is the future. But here's the thing. And I'm 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 preaching to the choir here because I know you're already sold on podcasts because you have one. And somebody listening is sold on listening to podcasts because they're listening. 
But while you're listening to this podcast right now, you're not sitting at your desk, staring at the walls, listening to the podcast. You're doing something else. We multitask while we listen to podcasts. It fits into our lives. So you're driving, you're cooking dinner, you're changing the diaper, you're folding laundry, exercising, walking the dog, whatever it is, we're doing other things while we're listening to podcasts. And when we're reading a blog or we're watching a video, can't do that. It requires more of our attention. So I think audio content is only going to grow in, in the future because of this, because it's just so different. Even though you think like, oh, radio is that, well, yeah, radio is this radio. <laughs> but with podcasting and with audiobooks and, and all this, it's opening up this other world for us, right? Of, okay, we can consume content while we're doing other things. And, and there is a big need and desire for people to be consuming content. So in terms of the industry, I think there's going to be, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, you know, I, I, I think the trend of doing video casts, like you said, I think people like to listen to podcasts because they, listen to like, they like to listen to podcasts. Right. But I would like to see a lot of improvements that allow to tap into SEO better on the podcasting platforms and to be able to connect and interact more with podcast listeners or, you know, things like that. So there are a lot of apps that are starting to let you do some of these things and see what your friends are listening to and stuff like that. So I think there's going to be things that make right now, there feels like there's a big disconnect between I'm at home talking to my mic by myself, or here we are in Zoom talking to each other, and listeners are listening at a different time, and, and we're not engaging with them, right. you know, through that platform. So I would love for there to be a way to engage on that platform more. And I know that kind of exists on some, but not on any where there's like real traction. So I would love to see something like that because as a podcaster, that's the thing I want the most is just more engagement and interaction with my audience. I'm in total agreement. So if anyone's listening that creates apps or anything, this is definitely a piece that needs it. Like if you, if you could be on your, if you could be listening and interacting with other listeners either at the same time or even interacting with me as, as it's recording, I think that would be, because I miss, I too, I miss that part, that energy that I get, you know, I get energy from you, but that energy I, we all get when we were on stages or in a room full of people, I think there's a big difference. Jacqueline, you are a plethora of information. Thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing like how you did the work to actually make it to where you are today, because I feel like not everyone acknowledges that part of our journey. And when we can talk about it and really express it, I know we'll help other people start their journey or start their journey in the middle and not in the beginning or not start, start their journey in the middle and not at the end. Oh, I, oh I certainly hope to. So thank you so much. I always have a blast chatting with you. And it's fun <laughs> to kind of go down memory lane with all this and even sharing. Like, I think it's always important for people to, to help other people and to share because even just repeating stuff back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And, and that's why it's so important to have these conversations, right? Whether it's with business friends or in a mastermind or being a guest on podcast and getting asked about it, right? I think whenever we start sharing our own experiences, it's, it's a chance for us to reflect and think about our own journeys in a different way too. Exactly. And if John, if people want to find you, what's the best place to get information about working with Jacqueline like I did? Sure. So, okay. If you are wanting to start a podcast, go to JacquelineMalone.com forward slash 
podcasting and, and that will link to some of our different podcasting things that we have. So go check that out. Um, but otherwise, JacquelineMalone.com, you can access different ways to work with me, freebies, all of, all of those goodies. But definitely also come over to GoToGals. We put out episodes every week, and I'd love to, uh, to have you hang out with me over there on my podcast. So it'll all be in the notes. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being with me today. I really always appreciate you and love your soul. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining me this week on Behind the Spotlight. Make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd love a rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about it, and that would help me out too. But if you like the show and you want to check out more, look me up at bestnightic.com. Plus now I'm offering private 90-minute intensive strategy sessions. You might want to get in on that too. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode of Behind the Spotlight.